Hey, Invite the Neighbors DIY podcast is sponsored by Two Foot Parade Records. Uh, Two Foot Parade Records is based out of Kalamazoo, Michigan. For those of you not in Michigan, Kalamazoo is a real place. Um, I promise. It's on the west side. Um, They have a new release on March 5th, um, which is a re-release of Closet Goth's album called Friendship Village. And it's a tape that comes with a digital zine, so check that the fuck out. Um, And uh, Gabe, let me know if you don't want me to say fuck during the ads. Uh, (laughs) But anyways, they are a really cool um, record label. They're all about like kind of giving the power to the artists. Um, so I mean that's honestly great and it lends itself to DIY bands so if you want to check them out they sub- they take submissions on their website twofootparade.com um, and you can find all their stuff there they have uh, Ness Lake recently put out a tape on the label and uh, Worry Club also put out a tape recently on their record label so check out twofootparade.com hey welcome to another episode of Invite the Neighbors uh, you know soon to be another name we're changing the name of the podcast um i'm just putting that out there just let you guys know um it'll still be the same feed it'll still be if you follow it on spotify or whatever already it'll still be the same thing you won't have to refollow i'm fairly certain but just to give you guys a heads up um we're doing a little rebranding to make it more obvious what this podcast is about um but anyways so more on that soon but this episode we talked with faith holt from nashville tennessee um, this is our first guest with a southern accent, and God, I just am so happy because I that's non ironically my favorite accent. And also, Faith is a really good musician. You should check out Faith Hold on Spotify, Bandcamp, wherever you know you stream music. But, um, anyways, yeah, I'm just gonna get into the episode. Give us a follow on Instagram, um, and Twitter. You'll find us. We're still under Invite the Neighbors, and uh, Last but not least, if you want to hear yourself featured on an ad like you heard in the beginning, it's very cheap, very affordable. Um, send us an email, invite the neighbors at gmail.com. All right. Thank you guys and enjoy the episode. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it worked. Okay. Cool. Okay. Hi, Hi Faith. I'm How good. Are you? How are you? I'm good. I'm Brian. I'm I'm the one that you're emailing with, and then this is Benny. Yeah, I'm Benny, the one who puts in almost no effort. I just show up and <laughs> record episodes and then go home. Brian's the one who takes care of everything. I see. Yeah, we were going to call this podcast Me Without you, Benny, but it was too close to Me Without You. Mm. Um, but Man, that, that's kind of... <laughs> that's not a good joke. I know. It was, it, you know what? It came in my head earlier. I was like, you know what? We should call this podcast Me Without You because it's just me and then sometimes you. But, you know, I have this problem where, like... I know the joke is bad, but it's like it's this impulsive thing. Like I still have to say it. It just otherwise it just like it lives inside me. And I, I yeah, know. you know you can just like not do that. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I don't. I don't think so. So Faith, this is a silly podcast. Sometimes it can be deep, also. So it's kind of like a choose your own adventure. Very okay. Yeah, it works for me. Yes. You actually, my roommate was on it not too long ago. Yes. Oh, uh, really? Hunter Jurgens. Who was that? Yes. Oh, that's your roommate? That's cool. I, I also yeah, know Kevin cool. Rice, so. Ah, <laughs> oh, Kevin Rice. You know what? That guy gets way too much shine on this podcast. <laughs> Does he really? <laughs> but it's, deser- it's deservedly so, though. 
And you can say that. You know what? I'm over Kevin Rice. You know now. what? He might he might be anti Kevin, but I am a pro Kevin person all the way. You know what? I'm just bored of Kevin being pro Kevin. I'm gonna start some controversy and I'm gonna start an anti Kevin Rice campaign. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> the most artificial thing I've ever heard in my entire life. I know, life. I fucking love Kevin. But yeah, that's cool. Yeah, I was gonna say you have a southern accent, which is I don't think we've ever had a southern accent on the podcast. It's like mine's apparently about it. as southern as it gets. From from the responses I get, people think I'm from Alabama all the time as well. <laughs> as if that's the only. Yeah, place. I don't know. <laughs> it, it reminds me. I actually I was going you know, through a uh, McDonald's drive-through close to my parents' house, and I went by, and I got to the window, and she's like, "Girl, where are you from?" And I was like, "Down the street." And she's like, "No, you're not. You gotta be from Alabama." And I've not known what to think ever since. <laughs> <laughs> and you're in Nashville, so it's like they should be well, used to it. I think the thing <laughs> with Nashville is no one in Nashville is actually from Nashville. So there's like Yeah. People will meet me and they're like, Oh, you're like a you're actually from here? And I mean I'm from like thirty minutes like, I'm like real thirty southerner. minutes east of Nashville, <laughs> technically, or used to be. But I'm like, Yeah, and sometimes they don't really they just act so shocked about it. Yeah, that's funny. You know what? It's interesting too. Like, I didn't. We were listening to your music before we started this uh, recording because we're major procrastinators. But I didn't hear a southern accent in your voice, which makes me wonder: when country singers sing, are they like embellishing their accent? Because, like, think about like the Beatles, like British people. You can't really hear their accent when they're singing, and I kind of noticed that from your singing also. Unless I just missed it. But I'm just curious: does it just naturally go? It does. Away? I honest sometimes I'm not a fan of my accent, which a lot of people find weird because they like it. But I always hate like when I have to talk at shows because inside I'm like, oh, the shield is coming off. (laughs) But but yeah, no, people have brought that up to me several times or they'll know how I talk and they'll hear my music. It'll be like the other way around. And they're like. You sound like that. Yeah. Like, yeah, I don't know. I don't do anything yeah. special. It just does that. <laughs> yeah, I can see people like when they first meet you, if they're just talking to you and then you tell them like that you're a singer, just like automatically assuming you do like country western, you know, and then like you play like indie rock or like emo and they're like, oh, that's not what oh, I expected. Yeah. Which, you know, the world doesn't need any more country western singers. No. I think. Especially Nashville. I don't think Nashville needs any more. No. <laughs> and Nashville's got plenty I... of the country pop going right now, so. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We won't get into that. But I I love Nashville and I don't I don't think I talked with Hunter very much about it, but I really, really like East Nashville and the Gulch, because I'm a hipster and I like rock music. East Nashville, I guess that's where you know, a lot of like the, I don't know, I guess it's more of like the punk scene would live kind of over that way. Am I correct? Say. In, in that knowledge or. I would actually say that it lives a little more. There's a venue called The End. It's actually kind of closer to like the West End side of things. If you've ever been to uh, Centennial Park where the Parthenon is, it's close to there. Um, it looks like this, oh. I remember when I was younger, I would drive by it, not knowing what it was. 
with someone and be like, man, that place looks nasty. And, um, and <laughs> then that ended up being where I've gone to like so many shows, but like, it's one of the main venues that I would say. And then there's exit in across the street, which is kind of like a couple sizes up, yeah. Uh, which apparently is for sale right now. But, um, but yeah, I would say there, which we call the rock block. I, for, I can't remember if I said that or not. Um, maybe, maybe I'm fucking it up because I went to like a, a music store that was in East Nashville. And I, like they had a lot of really cool pedals and stuff. Um, there's, there's two, there's like Carter vintage mm-hmm. music, or Carter vintage guitars. That place fucking rules. Like, if any musician goes to Nashville, they need to go there because there's like so much shit. Shameless <laughs> plug for them. But yeah, I think I'm just confusing with that because I know the exit. I was thinking East Nashville was where like the exit in was because like that's that's basically their equivalent of like the blind pig. Oh, really? Yeah, it's like the it's like the punk club essentially. And then there's like a, another one, another venue. Like, isn't there a one beneath the exit in? No, but you like might that. be There's thinking like a, a one of two things next to there is Cafe Coco, which is kind of like been sold and rebought, sold and rebought. So like it's not really what it used to be, but there was a room that they would have shows in. Um, that used to be a fun place to play. But oh. there's also a place called the Cannery. And there's three venues in the building, and there's a different one on each floor. Oh, that's so cool. and each one's a different size. That's pretty sweet. Oh, okay. Yeah, okay. I'm just completely wrong. I've been there twice, and I feel like, you know, this is this is humbling. It was a humbling experience. Been there twice, thought I fucking owned the place. <laughs> Apparently, I know nothing. But that's all good. They can all blend together if you don't <laughs> but, live um, here. So. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, so, like, what are... Do you play, like... I mean, when there was shows and things like that, you know, was there a lot of house shows that you played or like kind of what's the um, what's the sort of scene like there where where you have experience playing? I I feel like I've seen it shift a couple times in like the three and a half years that I've been playing in it. Um, I definitely started out of uh, um. This will mention Kevin Rice. I know he used to run some shows out there. I, actually, my first couple of shows were in Murfreesboro. And a lot of the people, there was like yeah. Dad's Garage. And then I've played some shows, a couple of shows in like a the basement level of a bowling alley. That was one of my favorite places just because you were like, really, I'm really playing here. Um, uh, but the people that were kind of running that scene eventually kind of moved after college into nashville and um i feel like when i was playing shows i was kind of playing a mix of the two honestly but the problem we're having right now is even before covid we've kind of started losing all of the good house venues (laughs) and so when things come back i actually don't know what the scene's gonna look like because all the house venues that i knew of are shut down Right. Yeah, I was kind of yeah. wondering what that was going to look like. I think a lot of people all over the country are kind of wondering that, you know, like hopefully different people kind of grab the torch and like if, you know, 
some house venues don't reopen, other ones will. You know what I mean? Or other new ones will open or something like yeah, that. Our, but you can't really our ba- count on it. Because, <laughs> our biggest yeah. one was that 70s house, which is next to Belmont. And the house, the, it like got sold for a development, which I assume is like for Belmont. Ugh. But we have yeah. we have dark matter in East yeah. Nashville, which everyone's kind of been helping raise money through it for throughout everything. So I do believe we are going to have that left at least. Oh, that's good. But um, so I wanted to kind of shift a little bit. Like, so what are you normally like? People they'll hit us up to be on the podcast. They have something like that they're trying to promote. So is there like a record that you have releasing or is there a certain thing in general that you were trying Actually to promote? put out a full length with chill wave back in November called uh, the difference. Oh, that's cool. Full length, huh? And it was, so it was, did you have plans to release it in November before the pandemic or was it? No, like- it was, um, Time was not on my side in the sense that, like, I kept for years would start working on a body of work. And then it turns into that. I'm sure a lot of people experience this where, like, you sort of get to a certain place with songs and the recording process or whatever you're doing. And the new ones come. They start coming up and they're like, well, I don't really want to use these anymore. I want to use these. And so I had that cycle go on for a few years. And then I finally had that batch of songs just really work out. And I was like. These I have to stick to and get them done. And so after like two years, I literally finished it, uh, tracking and everything, exactly a year ago when COVID started. And I was like, well, that timing was bad. I was like, I've had all this time. And now (laughs) here we are. And um, at first I was kind of like, I'll wait. But yeah. then, you know, no, it starts I mean, going and it keeps going and you're it, like, and then of course I got involved with Chill Wave and sitting on ended up coming to the conclusion records. to just go on and put yeah. it out, which part of my both thought, I was like, if, if everyone sits on their releases <laughs> this whole time, I was like that there's so many, there would be so many to compete with when things did shift. Yeah. Yeah. So it kind of makes sense to just put it out yeah so but there's been so many like releases you know i feel like maybe it's slowed down but after a while you started to see like more and more people are just saying fuck it we're just gonna release stuff that i think when shows start happening again there's gonna be such a demand for spots because so many people are gonna be trying to like retroactively promote stuff that they released during the pandemic by playing it. Yeah. I've thought about that too. I was like, man, when shows come back up, I'm like, there's going to be shows every like night that I'm going to want to go to probably because of how things are going to book up. Yeah. And I I mean, I hope it works out that way because that would mean that there's enough venues for all of it. I hope it doesn't turn into the type of thing where, you know, there's not very many places to play and therefore it's, um harder to get a spot and i could see that getting clicky mm. you know what i mean like if there's only so many spots and certain people control who plays at these limited number of places i could see that lend itself to getting like clicky whereas when you have a lot of venues and a lot of opportunities it's a lot easier to just give everyone a shot you know what i mean yeah, yeah. no i've thought about that too 
I'm like, there's just no telling what it's going to look like. And I still don't really see it happening soon, despite there's like the vaccines rolling out and stuff. But I like still know there's a bit of time for venues to still get through. Yeah. And you know, it is, it is kind of strange because people, there's, you know, indoor dining is open, like some sporting events are having people and bars are having people and things like that. I guess I just don't get why, like if they're going to have those things, why can't a band be playing at the same time? I don't know. Because I guess if you're going to, my thinking is like, if you're going to open a bar and you're going to have to police how close people are getting to one another anyways, I mean, that seems like the exact same like as long as you're like a band is playing at a bar or something like that, I don't see what the yeah. necessarily is. It's it's just all very confusing and it doesn't really. Well, it's not all completely logical. If, if you're a cover band, at least in this area, you're already back in business because like Broadway and stuff and those kind of places, they're just yeah. basically wide open at this point. Yeah, and that's where I think it's strange. Like somehow there's a difference between being in a cover band or playing originals. And I, I guess I don't, I can't put my finger on what it necessarily is in terms of COVID safety or, you know, lack thereof, you know, cause what's different about like a cover band, like everyone's seated. I mean, I guess it's weird to go to, if you're going to like an emo show and everyone's just like sitting at tables, yeah. <laughs> maybe I just answered my own question. I mean, I went know. to, there was a, I have friends who run a, uh, like LGBTQ writers round called uh, Rainbow Nash, and I know that they did a two or three shows before it got too cold to do it. But they were running, uh, they were using someone's backyard and had people spaced out, and then set the deck up like a stage. And so, I mean, I see there's still some ways you can do things and not it. it yeah still be way better than other things that are happening yeah i hear you what about this this um record that you put out in november so like what was uh you said you were kind of working on it for like a couple of years yeah i had um i would say this exact badge that's on it fully came to light probably in the last year of working on it um because i ended up here and there, I started realizing, I don't know that I would call it a theme, but I had a bunch of songs who I started noticing that, like, the songs referenced each other, almost like lyrical parallels. And, like, oh, you know, okay. a couple different songs will, will reference, like, a Saturday night. And they're talking about the same Saturday night, but both songs kind of, like, reveal different sides of what happened or... um and oh, then it, cool. it was a lot of things like that that started happening on accident. And I started realizing it. And I remember I did this thing where I took, I had the idea to use it as an album cover at one point, but I ended up changing my mind. Where I had like, I had a whiteboard in my room. And this was like right when I decided this is, these are the songs I have to do. And I like had all the titles in a circle. And I had, it looked like some crazy messed up pentagram on my wall. Because I was just, like, connecting everything <laughs> that I could see, like, a parallel or a reference between. And, um, yeah. Oh. 
<laughs> yeah, wild. and um, one of my best friends, she was who she was like, "This is the cover," but like eventually, I started being like, "I feel like this connects to for me, but maybe not for everyone." So I like pushed that idea to the side, but like that's how I ended up settling on the songs that I did. And there's very much a uh, theme in that. Uh, I guess one thing I can sum up is that it's very much a, almost about the fear of happiness. I was actually, which the yeah, name, which, uh, whatever you call it, the name for that is Cherophobia. I hope that's how you say that. Um, I was actually going to name the record that. Um, at one point, oh, that's um, I had one friend though who looked at it written down, and she said, "You know that word looks like you know how you know how like you can go into hot topic, and there's like the wall of shirts that's like Paramore, all time love, like that yeah. wall, and there's the other wall that's like I don't know Lamb of God and stuff. I don't I don't really know which man. Yeah. She, she was like, yeah, I already know what you were going to say. Looks like it belongs on a shirt on that wall in Hot Topic. And I went, okay, I could, I could see that. And um, What a hater. <laughs> and then the, um, but there was a title track called, uh, we ended up pulling the title from, there is a song called The Difference. And The Difference it's, it's referring to is, um, I'm going to try to explain it. It's kind of like the concept of like, having this new thing that's introduced to your life and not realizing that you are missing it, but now you're enjoying it. And then when that gets taken away, then you have this new difference that you didn't know you had before. And it's like exploring the oh. idea that sometimes, cause I can be a bit pessimistic that um, it's kind of like being like, I don't, a fear of happiness in the sense of I don't want to know what that difference feels like on the other side, if that's what I'm going to get left with. Yeah. See, like, when I, I first heard, like, you say, like, the this fear of happiness, like, I immediately related to that because, like, I just had definitely, like, you know, I didn't have, like, a terribly difficult childhood or anything like that, but, I, I like, enough things happened to where you know, you start to get used to the idea of things kind of going wrong or like, you, you know, or you, you realize that like your family isn't rich and then you realize which kids are and you realize which kids have it quote unquote easier and blah, blah, blah. And you start to become conditioned to this idea that things are just going to go poorly. And then it's almost like when things start to go well, it's like having something good just means you're going to have the pain of it getting fucked up. So like it's, it's like there's this aversion to embracing happiness because that just means you're going to be more let down. It's like, it's almost easier to just kind of be in the middle, not being happy. You know what I mean? So then you don't have to lose the thing or whatever. Yep. I agree. That's like literally exactly what I explore on the record <laughs> is, is, Oh, that's, yeah, is awesome. that idea like there's like i'm not really known for writing happy songs like there is one in there and then like um after that period of time like i like physically made sure i wrote a song that like discussed like 
after that period of time and um what that felt like and um man lost my train of thought on that but um i was just gonna say i i don't understand when people write happy songs i don't get that benny do you have any happy songs uh i mean like maybe like six out of ten happy like but not like overjoyed happy I don't know. I've always found happiness to be, like, an emotion that's very hard to, like, write about without coming across as, like, corny or something. I, yeah. Like, and I, and I know that writing about, like, sad stuff is, like, what the kids like to call cliche nowadays, but, like, I don't know. It's, to me, it's always been easier to, like, express sad emotions through music than, like, happier emotions. At least lyrically, if that makes sense. No, I I agree. I have yeah. a uh, my best friend once. Um, I think the only people who understand what I'm about to say are the ones who also feel that way. But she once told me she said, "Sad songs are happy songs for deep people," and I was like, "Okay, yeah. I, that makes sense to me." Yeah, in a way, I wouldn't. I would maybe phrase it differently, but I think like that the idea behind that kind of resonates with me. Yeah. At least I I think like in order to like, if I'm feeling sad, you know, I'm not going to feel happy by putting on hall and oats. You know what I mean? Like that's not going to make me happy. But like if I'm feeling like shit and I put on something that allows me to fully embrace what I'm feeling because it, it resonates on that level. Like yeah. that's gonna get me through it faster, and then, and then I'll be able to, kind of like the, you know you just get through it, you get over it by getting through it type of thing, and then you can go on to you know feeling better. And I think that's why I write music that's sad. I, I never set out specifically to write mm-hmm. sad music, and I think most people probably don't. But you know, just in this genre of you know this this collection of genres of you know like rock music emo indie whatever a lot of the a lot of it is you know it aims to be cathartic and you don't need catharsis if you're happy all the time <laughs> you know like <laughs> and, and so like naturally when you write the music you're it, it makes you feel certain things that are not happiness and so when you write lyrics based on the music that you wrote, like just naturally sad or sadder things are going to come to mind than just like, I don't even know. I was trying to think of like an example of like what a happy thing is. And I was just like, I, I thought I had was, I bought a puppy. Oh my today. God. I brought a new Saturday, <laughs> so. So Yeah. Oh, really? Oh, nice. Oh, I should write a song about it then, because apparently that's what I think. I literally thought, I had a thought today where I was like, am I going to write a song about my dog now? Because like, I remember World Greatest, World's Greatest Dad has a song uh, about Mogus, I think is the name or whatever, and it's the singer's dog. And I was like, is that about to be me? Is this going to give me the one one happy song for the next five years? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if anything... Was was if anything made it warranted? I think a new dog would. Uh, but yeah, that's awesome. By the way, I I would only mention getting a new puppy. I do not have a new puppy or any puppy, oh. <laughs> so I'm jealous. Yeah, <laughs> I have two cats who don't even fucking 
I could I could leave t- today and never come back, and I don't think they would care. I just think that the that's just cats, you know. Like someone else could come move into this house, and as long as they're fed, I don't think anything would change for them. Uh. Really, <laughs> you know. And I don't know. I could be wrong, but uh, anyway. So in terms of you know, you mentioned that you never, you, like, the theme kind of happening on its own. Like, do you have any previous releases? Because I'm curious, like, if that's something that has been a trend in your music, just kind of like these themes um, kind of showing themselves to you, or or have you had other releases in the past where, like, you actually had, like, a theme in mind going into it? Or I'm just curious, like, what that process is like for you overall. I'm trying to think. I had... I had a, a past concept that never reached completion, but some of the songs got released from it as singles. Um, uh, oh, where okay. I had uh, my best friend, uh, also named Faith, to make things complicated. Um, <laughs> she, <laughs> um, I had gone to visit her for the first time down in Mississippi with uh, her family. This was like, heck six seven years ago now and um her parents house was nicknamed the dollhouse and uh a lot of my coming out the yeah her, house the, the, the house was nicknamed the dollhouse and so a lot of my her mom and herself the whole family really they're just like i don't know why the word guru came to mind i don't know it's just like it's Goobery. Goobery. It's just like it's like <laughs> hanging out with them is like being in a room full of therapists, but like in a good way. Oh, I thought you said goober. Yeah, you said guru. Yeah. I thought you said goober. And I, but like hanging <laughs> out with them was kind of like being in a room with therapists at all times, but like in the best way possible. You like don't talk to anyone yeah. and and walk away. Like you always walk away from someone being like wow, I really feel better about this thing or I learned this about myself or I could change this thing in life. And uh, But a lot of my coming out process to shorten the story came from that, the experiences that I had over a few trips down there. And um, so I was working on a uh, record idea at one time that I was going to call Lessons from the Dollhouse. And... Uh, and oh, okay. um some of the songs off of that idea did come out. Uh, the first like full band song I put out was called uh, August 1st. Um, and it was just that record was just going to show like the the ideas to show like the arch of what happened there. But um, I fell into that trap I was talking about earlier where you start writing something else and then you don't want the old thing anymore. And I was also very much in a. Until this record, I feel I've kind of had a hard time figuring out what my what I was trying to sound like or what I was trying to do because I came from a very like religious background and was like playing in the worship band every Sunday and leading youth worship on Wednesday nights, which now feels like a entirely different life ago. But like when I was younger, I was playing Christian music and I actually put out a Christian record like 11 years ago that hopefully no one can find anymore. And um, (laughs) like a full length, like it's called faith on faith. It was a thing. And um, 
And so I kind of, when I came out and was dealing with all of that, I was like, this is not like a thing that I want to do anymore. And I was like, there's, even if I did, yeah. I'm like, you know, being gay and stuff. I was like, there's not a place for me there. And um, around that time right. uh, is right after I came out is when I found, uh, ended up meeting up with, uh, meeting some friends who I'm still friends with. And they kind of introduced me to the scene that was dad's garage and stuff. And um, over the course of like the summer I came out was when I really started shifting into uh, listening to like me without you and stuff like that. And um, ironically, since we brought that up earlier, um, I was just trying yeah. to think of what band I remember. Listen, I don't even listen to things like this heavy anymore. Not that it's even really heavy, but like I got really into Law Dispute for like two seconds. Um, and okay, um, yeah. but then there's obviously I was Julian Baker and stuff like that. And um, I kind of the more I listened to things in that direction, I kind of slowly developed into that direction. And it's kind of like for a while I was caught in this in between thing, and um. So earlier releases previous to the record, you can kind of still see little traces of that. Um, oh, in okay. that you know, uh, like there are things like uh, anyone who's played in a worship band knows what I'm saying when I say that there is something about putting a build in a song. So like a lot of my uh, the earlier releases, I have lots of builds, <laughs> just because that's a thing. Yeah. Um, I think one time I wrote a song with like three builds in it, but it didn't come out. So there's that. But uh. <laughs> that just reminds me of one thing that my friend Chris said to me one time. We were at like Salvation Army, and he just turns to me during like a build during one of the songs, like one of the Christian songs they were playing over the radio. He just looks at me and he goes, is it just me or does every Christian rock song just explode for no reason? <laughs> like multiple times throughout the song. And I was like, he's right. Look, wrong. the what I have yes. learned in time <laughs> and also like I had a couple stints. I had a couple years stint as like a drummer at a church as well. And so the reality is it's like all of the power is within you to cause anything to happen, basically. But that's the trick. The trick is yeah. built. And then sudden crashes of the band coming in or even sudden pulls away <laughs> and those three tricks yeah. i know i'm still guilty of them at times but like he's right that's 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 what happens i mean that's that's the type of thing that just kind of works across genres to be honest like builds especially drops like dropping the band out, not like beat drops, but like I'm such a sucker for that shit. And somehow it's never resonated with me with the church music because I they go every song is like 12 minutes long and it's just the same melody repeated over and over and over and just like refrain after mm -hmm. refrain. And I just can't stand the monotony of it. But so I guess I because of that, I was never able to appreciate the dynamics, but I, I definitely am a sucker for those things and you know they're they're trying to evoke the most like triumphant you know rapturous emotions 
at with these songs i'm sure so like those are the types of things that that evoke those feelings you know like these big crazy explosions (laughs) (laughs) that makes it sound like so not religious but uh yeah i think it's interesting though that like you kind of had to subconsciously or consciously like kind of shake the influence like just musically Mm -hmm. that that playing in worship bands kind of had yeah and you know and that it's interesting when you're first starting out becoming a band to like figuring out what your sound is going to be and for the most part you know benny you can tell me what your process was but i think for me and for everyone i've talked to for the most part it's like I've never talked to anyone that just straight up said, well, one day we decided we want to sound like this. And so that's what we did. It always just kind of like you play and you write songs and you write more songs. Then you kind of over time, you start to look back and in hindsight, you can see what it is that you're trying to do. And so is that more of like more or less like what, what you're, what you've been doing is just kind of like writing and writing and kind of figuring out what your sound is naturally or was there more of like a conscious effort? i would say that that's more so what's happened i've never sat and been like i want to sound like this or i want this song to be reminiscent of of this sound um one thing yeah. i've always thought is that um i know some people are different i get into the writing process talking to people sometimes because i find it interesting how different people put the pieces together but like my thing with myself at least because i know some people they will rewrite something and keep coming back to it for a long time but for me it's kind of like if it doesn't just spit itself out for the most part i walk away from it because for me i just like when it is almost just so natural that it just happens and i don't want to have to force anything because i think Sometimes that can kind of play with the, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? I don't know. Yeah, that's the word I'm looking for. That's perfect. Yeah, that's kind of how I feel as well, because, like, a lot of the times if I, like, come up with, like, a really cool riff or, like, a really cool melody, it'll just, like, the song will come Mm -hmm. naturally after that. But, like, I don't want to... I don't know. I feel like it's kind of counterproductive sometimes to like have something like that and sit down with it for like four or five hours and just be stumped and like work too hard or like try to work too hard on forcing something around that because then you just end up resenting the cool thing that you wrote. I don't know. It just has always come across to me that like a lot of music sounds a lot better when you can tell just from like the recording or the song structure that it came about like naturally like that. Like it wasn't just kind of forced out. No, I agree. Yeah. Yeah. I think like the best stuff that I've ever written has, I mean, I, I, I write little parts here and there, but what, like the only things that ever turn into songs are the ones where like the whole structure gets written in a day pretty much. Yeah, because it because it's just it almost comes out of fucking left field like like you have no idea like where it's coming like you you said faith that it just like it feels like it comes naturally sometimes it feels so natural that I don't even know what's happening (laughs) like you know 
consciously you're aware that you're writing a song it's not like an out-of-body experience i'm not trying to like you know be pretentious and say that there's this crazy thing that happens but it's it's weird in the sense of like you can have writer's block for the longest time you can you know not be trying any different process or anything like that but just something clicks and you you just play a chord on accident or something and you like the way it sounds and then yeah, then then the the entire thing just like works and it just starts flowing and you're like, well, I guess this is what I'm doing now. And then it all just starts to make sense and then parts after part after part just just comes. And like the like every song that I've actually fully written that's mm-hmm. how it happens. And everything else that I end up writing just gets forgotten or scrapped, like a riff here and there or something like yeah. that. Yeah. It's, it's kind of frustrating actually that it that you can't channel it like you can't just like with that type of thing i i've never been able to make it happen on command you know you kind of just have to wait for that to happen which can kind of be yeah i do yeah i feel like right now i'm in a frustrating bit in that i feel like i haven't really written anything that that i i wouldn't say i've really written a song except like once in the last year and i and before this i was known to like write like for a week or something i never had trouble and now i'm just like this is different yeah you know and and maybe that has something to do with just like the monotony of life right now when yeah not there's not much much to write about i would yeah for most situations yeah and like i don't want to hear like everyone's quarantine record like i don't want to (laughs) hear we've talked about this with other bands like i don't really want to hear like the concept record about being in isolation you know like i i feel like everyone is going through some form of that for the most part and i would rather like not have as much music or like or like hear stuff that's about something else because like i don't you know i don't i don't want to hear like i'm laughing because benny's (laughs) no i'm trying to be quiet because the room mic picks everything up oh i thought you were dancing no i'm sneaking around oh well i'm just i'm just hating on the idea of quarantine records but hating on the idea of quarantine records yeah boyfrienders album three is a quarantine record basically yeah, well, you played on that. I'll probably hate it. <laughs> <laughs> no, I actually don't hate it. You might hate that, but I hate you just in general. Wow, so. podcast <laughs> over. I'm sorry, Faith. <laughs> We're fighting at the dinner table right now. This is uncomfortable, but but no, uh, <laughs> but no, I I think that um, you know, I'm not saying that it can't be done well or whatever. I just you know, there's probably going to be a lot of them when you've been. Yeah, it's a thing, and I think, like, how, people should know that, right? Like, you should know that a lot of people are going to be doing that and, and want to do something else. I guess, you know, if that's what feels true to people, who am I to stifle artistic creativity or whatever? But I'm just worried, I guess, that there's you're going to see a lot of it, and they're all just going to kind of blend into each other and things like that. That's just a matter of personal taste, I guess. Yeah. But, uh... So, 
I'll kind of go back to happier times though. So like before, um, you know, all this shit, when you were playing shows and things like that, were you, did you ever do any touring? I did not. That's, that's also what's unfortunate. I've only really tried to tour once, which was like a little weekender in which I tragically lost my voice and my voice only. So I like, Hacked. Oh, I like no. hacked my way through three songs in Memphis at a Chinese bistro at like eleven thirty p.m. And <laughs> that place in itself was a weird. I was like, I only went on one thing, but that gave me one of those weird tour stories. Um, and then I, I remember we went to we went to Atlanta. In Atlanta, there was just I couldn't say like I couldn't get a word out of my mouth, and so. Um, that was my one touring incident, and I was very set, and I was like, oh, man, I'm going to tour with, uh, I had talked to a couple bands and stuff, and when the record was going to come out, and actually, like, we had been talking about, like, last spring and summer, um, doing a tour, and I was like, wow, I waited this long to tour just for this to happen. Yeah, yeah that's a bummer. Jesus. And so I was like, ah, I'm putting the record out and touring, or that was the plan. And then COVID came and I finally was going to do it. But I'm like, well, I guess when it comes back, I'll try. But <laughs> yeah, jeez, oh, that's I feel like everyone's got the same story. Not that exact one, but just in terms of like COVID mm-hmm. fucked up something. Yeah. Everybody. Yeah. Like, I think, Benny, you guys had a tour that you're going to do. I was going to the west side of michigan for a weekender you know it's and then nope i had just joined a band too like on guitar it was another band outside of my main one and like we played our first show as as a group like they'd been playing before but not with me and like we played our first show it was awesome it was just like the best show i've ever played and then that was the last <laughs> show i played um. you know so i mean Ended on a high note, but at the same time, it's like, what a buzzkill. Right. Yeah, time. my last show was like, uh, it was a New Year's Eve show in Ohio. Um, and I was like, well, that bringing in 2020, and I remember thinking, well, that's ironic that I, we had that party for 2020, and that was the last show to ring in a lovely year. Yeah. <laughs> Where uh, where about in Ohio were you? Playing? I was in uh the Dayton area. I was actually playing uh, uh. So Hunter's sister, who also lives here, um, we were doing a uh, New Year's Eve show at her best friend's house, uh, which goes by Jackie's house. And uh, we played with some good bands on that. Uh, there was Hawkins AV Club and uh, Dana, uh, Dana and the Tiger Sharks. Um, but that was like, it was one of the best shows. Like it was one of my favorites I've played. So I was like, well, at least there was that for a last one. Yeah. Dana and the tiger sharks. I'm like stuck on that band name. Oh, they're really good. That's such a sweet name. Tiger sharks. (laughs) I'm like caught up on that. It's so cool. (laughs) Holy shit. So do you have like when you play? Do you have like a, a band that that learns your songs? Yeah, so I was I was just... fortunate enough that at least pre COVID, I had um, I hadn't done like 
here's the other thing. If you look up past releases, um, I guess there was like two songs that had a band on it, but um, most of it was kind of like solo things. Um, because I was just, for me, it was just easier to not deal with a band and stuff. But um, when I, yeah, yeah, yeah I did finally <laughs> one day, I remember, I don't know if you would have heard of Pell Lungs here in Nashville, but I, I remember thinking I need to do a full band show and I made a tweet about it. And Matt from uh, Pellung's messaged me and he's like, hey, we want you to play a release show if you, you know, if you'd want to do a full band set. And I was like, all right, well, I'm just buckling up and going for it. And ever since then, I've pretty much, that's how all the shows have been. And I had the same uh, three friends pretty much play all those shows with me. So I was fortunate enough in that way. Um, But I did a live stream back in November. You can it's on YouTube, like the recording of it. It was like a multi, the whole multicam thing in our living room, and um, and I had, oh, uh, but with COVID and everything, I kind of like had to shift the band around. And my guitar player's wrist was broken. Uh, Hunter played bass for me on that, and then um, another friend of mine played drums. So it was like a totally different band. But prior to that, I've had the same, same one. But there were. So on the recording, did you do all like all that stuff yourself? Like the drums I just realized I should emphasize on that. So the way the recording process has been for me, pretty much through this goes for everything I've put out. Um, even prior to that, is I'll kind of like once I get a song down, I'll just track it to a click. You know, do a scratch vocal guitar, and then I'll get a batch ready or whatever I'm doing. And uh, my friend Eddie DePool. Uh, he has uh, Blue Tape Studios here in Tennessee, and uh, he's in Hartsville now. But um, I go there, and he has this guy, his friend David. Uh, he's played drums on everything I've had, and that guy is insane. Like, he'll show up, and he may or may not have even listened to anything. He tracked the drums for the difference <laughs> in, like, we're talking about he recorded, he even recorded drums for a friend of mine's song, too, that day. He recorded, like, 13 songs with no plan for them in like three hours. It was something like insane. And then after, yeah, so nervous about that. I've never been like as the songwriter. Yeah. I'd be nervous. Like, Oh my God, are they going to like, I remember at first, the first time I worked with him, cause he'd played on other songs before this. And, um, and he's like, no, you gotta let my, you gotta let David play on this. I'm like, okay. And, he was like, just trust me. And watching those two work together was like, it's one of my favorite things. There'll be like, I remember he'll have, you know, the talk back and stuff set up with David and David will literally be tracking in a song and Eddie will jump in on the talk back while it's still recording. That never stops it. And it's like, all right, in this many measures, you're going to go to this beat, explains the beat, and then David will just do it. And I'm just like... This Holy is the shit. wildest thing I've ever Hell seen. Yeah. And, um, but they've yeah. never done, wow. like, they have only ever added to what I brought in. So, um, so by the time we did the record, like, I knew he probably hadn't listened, but I was not concerned. So, um, but after that, uh-huh. then, uh, Eddie did the bass on it, um, and a few leads. 
Um, I did most of the guitars. Every now and then, I accept that my, my deal is I'm like, if Eddie can do something that's better than me, I'm just going to accept that and let him do it. Yes. Yeah, so it. absolutely, that's kind of how that works. So after drums, I kind of take it back home and then record at the house and stuff. And then Eddie just layers anything else on basically. Oh, okay. Yeah, that makes sense. So it's like, you don't have to have like a full band, but you also don't have the ha- shoulder, the responsibility of everything, like yeah. recording everything. It's just like, I imagine like at the end of the day, you have a say so over like what stays, what doesn't. And, but if you have like a trust with a producer and you know, yeah. like that, then, Sounds like a lot, of, a lot of work off your shoulders. No, it really is. Like some, sometimes there'll yeah. be something I'm like, I know this can be good, but I'm not really how, not, or not really sure how. And um, Eddie figures it out. He's like an interesting genius. And I'm just like, all uh, one of my favorite stories about him actually is that um, talking about you know if you trust someone like that. We went to, I think it was yeah. when we were doing the drum session, and it there's a song called. Uh, Dang it, which one is it? It is killing me right now. That I don't oh, it's white there's a song called White Lines. And um he was they were just playing it for David to listen a minute before he was gonna go in there and Eddie turns around and he goes I have the greatest idea for this song and you're gonna look at me and tell me that it's the craziest thing I've ever told you. And I was like, I don't know. Go for it. <laughs> <laughs> and because he's come up with some interesting things before and he was like this song needs bells in it and you know i'm sitting there as the little like sad indie emo person i am and i'm just like bells i said this actually might be the weirdest thing that you have told me and i literally looked at him and i said just show me what you're talking about and do it and we'll check it out. I said, because you have never steered me wrong. So I'm just going to, I'm going to give you, just try it. And, um, it ended, he yeah. like did it, you know, on a keyboard real fast and put it in there that day and he played it back and I went, that's actually the greatest idea that you have ever had. <laughs> yeah, actually like I, I love bells. Like I think bells sound great with, like distorted guitar like if you have like a wall of sound type chorus part or like a heavy part like throwing some bells in there like never don't underestimate oh the power I, of bells I don't now I think bells are just something I've I yeah. forgot about <laughs> until that day and so I was yeah. like what are you talking about I don't know but now I I would agree <laughs> I almost like my buddy's band Tyler is called uh parkway in columbia they have like a full-time bell player and i know that's not the right word for like what the instrument is it's bigger that's one that's like bigger than the bells it's a type of bells i don't think it's a xylophone marimba it's not a marimba vibraphone Vibraphone. Mm. that's what it is i'm pretty sure my high school marking band experience (laughs) coming through for me 10 years yeah (laughs) but like that's awesome i'm really jealous that they have a fucking vibraphone player but we we did a lot of stuff on my record that's like the producer has like this little toy bells kit like it's literally in a blue plastic case it's made for children and like i would play a lead like a, just like a melody on those and then we would 
get a, a synth bell tone and we would double it so it's got like the full like round tone of the the synth keyboard bell and mixed in with like the the chimey like you know like t- the attack of the yeah yeah and that sounds awesome that sounds really like doubling bells like that sounds really really good feel free anyone listening <laughs> to steal that idea because it sounds awesome but uh but yeah i mean i think um we're about at about an hour so if there was anything else that you wanted to promote or bring up or whatever I'm, we, I'm down to get into it but if not i'll give you the opportunity to like plug your social media plug the record one more time and let people know like where they can find it yeah no that's that record's pretty much the main thing um it can be found on all of the things as i say the pick your poison route um <laughs> spotify itunes music whatever whatever i don't even know what all there is anymore outside of that but um and then yeah. socials uh instagram's faith holt uh i think well actually all of them are so pretty pretty simple i guess cool i'm gonna get right up on the room mic real quick just to say yeah. this real quick everyone listen to this record it's very good and yeah. y'all know me. I'm very harsh on music, but listen to this record. It is legitimately very good. We're clipping so bad right now. Hey, I needed everyone to know that I'm serious. I dude. appreciate that so much. I'm not even going to edit that. <laughs> yeah, it's no problem. Yeah, we listened to it before. It is good. I You have a good voice. I, and the guitars sounded good, too. I like the tone. The tone was, it was sitting and hitting that sweet Ooh, spot for me. A go, A good tone with, like, that indie pop persuasion. Yeah. Well, yeah. Be still my heart. Yeah, for sure. But but yeah, definitely. We're not we're not just yanking your chain. Um is that what kids say now? They say Who yanking knows? your chain. <laughs> Dude <laughs> Usually you don't show your age, but it's like everyone who heard Dude. you just say that is gonna be like, Oh, Brian's thirty. I'm just joshing. <laughs> I'm just joshing. But okay. Hey, we do yeah, no, you thank you for on. having yeah, me. Course, I'm uh, glad y'all dig it and had a little chat. Yeah. Yeah. If you're ever uh coming up through Michigan, just give us give us a holler and uh you know I will. We can Ho- do this. Well, that was the plan. Time. That was the plan before COVID changed it, so <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, hey, well, I'll let you know when this is gonna come out. It'll probably be a few weeks because we got some other episodes ahead All right. of you, but uh yeah sounds good thank you y'all have a good night there you go there's one more episode in the books people um follow us on instagram twitter spotify you know wherever you follow podcasts we're there i promise um yeah again thanks for listening share this with your friends help us grow this thing Uh, um stick around we usually do episodes earlier in the week uh we make sure to get one out every single week so if you liked what you heard like I said, give us a follow on Instagram. We always announce episodes there in the stories and in our posts. So thanks again for listening and see you next time.